Hi, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast Season 3, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is a podcast dedicated to all things food, from culinary sleuthing to recipe ideas and interviews with people who are passionate about food and delicious adventures. So join me here on Fridays to explore the world through the lens of food, and together we can share some laughs, conversation, and I welcome you at my table always. So if you're ready, let's jump into our next food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast, Season 3! What? And I'm your host, Beth Fuller. I can't believe it's Season 3. If you're new, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Welcome. You have a lot of catching up to do. No, no pressure. No pressure. You've been here through all the seasons. Well, I love you and thank you for listening to me every week chattering away. And you know what I'm going to say. Don't take notes. I've taken all of your notes. So head on over to my website for everything, elizabethrfuller.com. And while you're there, take in that amazing food, product, and lifestyle photography. It's what I do for a living. So if you need photos, I'm your gal. Hit me up. If you've got questions for the podcast, if you want to be on the podcast, if you need culinary sleuthing of any 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 kind i'm your gal send me an email let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com and of course tag me in all of your food adventures on instagram at let's go on a food adventure all right you guys let's do this let's go on a food adventure hey 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 oh my god it's been so long it's been so long since i've sat at this microphone and honestly i was on such a roll for so many seasons and then this year it's just like one thing after another um as i mentioned in the last episode which was like a thousand years ago our sweet fluffy fur baby oliver had to have a tumor removed in his leg i can't remember how much i said and what i didn't say Um, And I won't bore you with all the details, but needless to say, it was, it has been a really rough month and some change between the surgery, which went well from like a surgical standpoint, but Oliver had a really tough time um, with the operation. And then the two weeks and some change recovering was extremely rough because uh, he had stitches that uh, ran the course of the majority of the upper part of his back leg. And, um, he, we tried everything. We tried the, you know, the cone of shame. We tried, uh, the little bubble thing that you put around their neck. We try, I mean, we tried everything and he could still get at it. And so we just had to sleep in shifts and, um, make sure he didn't lick or bite at the area. And we did the best that we could, and so, you know, Todd my, and myself were on absolutely no sleep. We were sleeping on taking turns in the living room, sleeping uh, on an air mattress, but not really sleeping because we had to stay up and watch him. So like you doze off for a second and then you'd like hear him like jingle his collar and you felt like you were on like a pool floaty and then you'd wake up and the pool floaty would just like, you know, the air mattress would bob around and it was it was a really tough couple of weeks. So 
Uh, I apologize for being MIA with the podcast. I am here and I do miss all of you very deeply. And I miss talking to you all um, on uh, more of a regular basis. So uh, fingers crossed that everything's good and going forward, I will be chatting much, much more. So thank you for um, sticking with me and being here. I really appreciate it. So that's like my little mini update. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Mm -mm. No, I have such a fun guest and we chatted for a while. So I just want to jump right into it. All right, my guest today. Oof, this was such a fun conversation. Okay, my guest. He, I mean, talk about an amazing human. He has, he first and foremost, he's a private chef with a just laundry list of famous people that he does cooking for in his private chef world. In addition to that, he teaches. He's got a TV show on Pluto TV. He's got a radio program on NPR. But what is he known for? He's known for making everything from scratch. He forges his own knives. He pulls water out of the Atlantic to make salt. Butter cheese from milk? No problem. Hell, he's even making his own charcoal. So <laughs> please give a warm welcome to Chef Joe Gatto. Hey, Joe, how's it going? How are you? Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, my God. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited to like soak in all of your culinary knowledge right now. And the listeners are super excited. This is going to be such a fun conversation. I agree. I'm very excited as well. Woohoo. So. I know where you live now because we are uh, brothers from another mother, dare I say, New England salty souls. But can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, where you grew up, where you live now, all of that good stuff? I can do that. Yep. I am uh, Chef Joe Gatto. I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm known for making everything from scratch. So I hand forge my own knives. I make my own charcoal. I pull water from the Atlantic, make salt, milk cows, make butter and cheese. I mean, you name it, that's what I do. Um, I have a television show on Pluto. Um, you can connect to that through Instagram at Chef Joe Gatto. I have a national book called Seriously From Scratch. I have my own show on NPR called From Scratch, Sensing a Theme. <laughs> and um, I'm also a private chef to A-listers. I've cooked for Celtics players, Red Sox players, things like that. And that's pretty much what I do in a nutshell. I love that. So. Did you grow up in the city or are you a suburbs kind of guy? Arlington. Arlington. So you're fancy. You're you're a bougie suburbs guy. Oh, is, was Arlington bougie? I think so because so I lived in Medford for a long time. Medford. And right. I we, was going to say, I don't remember a D on that. No, I sorry. Yeah, I, I'm spelling it wrong too. No. <laughs> so when I lived in Medford, it was like Arlington was like fancy. Like Arlington is like, and then you have Winchester too, which is like wicked fancy, right? Oh, well, we bordered Winchester and Lexington, which are wicked fancy. Okay, yeah. So those people are wicked fucking fancy, but yeah. like you guys are pretty fucking fancy. And when no. we went, yes, you are. But we went to buy a house. So we were renting in Medford. And when we went to buy a house, I was like, I am not leaving 128. Like we have to stay in the 128 belt. Oh no, we're basically in fucking Albany, New York at this point. Like it was, we, there's no way. And this was maybe six or seven years ago that we could afford Arlington. And I would have 
dreamed to have lived there. Like my I mean, mom still lives there. Okay, well, when she wants to sell her house, I've got two hundred thousand dollars I can throw at that. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's so expensive. So growing up in Arlington, it's not like you live in farm country. So like the fact that you know how no, to milk cows, no. there was no like, farms there. No, and like you have this like homestead way about you. Like, what made you want to get started on this culinary journey? You know, I don't think you have that much time to <laughs> for this kind of journey. <laughs> From Arlington to Berkeley, California to LA to Stoneham is the journey that okay. it's just, it's just, a, I mean, well, I, growing up in Arlington, you know, I grew up on the counter with my mom, little 12 inch black and white TV blaring Jacques Pepin and yep. Julia Childs all the time and cooking with her. And I, I had the pleasure of meeting Julia as I got into my culinary time. So she was a huge influence on just everything. I mean, yeah. she's an icon. And, you know, I just really loved cooking. So it just became part of my DNA. It was just in me. I, I loved creating because I'm an artist. It It's just, I, I find food to be the perfect combination of science and art. Mm -hmm. And, but I loved making film. That was another thing I loved doing. I was never, I never nine to five or I just, just yeah. never was in me. And I moved when I was 20, 21 to Berkeley to pursue film. And I started working in film. Wow. And I was, I got hired by a production company like six months in. And then I was shooting, directing, editing for a long time. They are doing short films, all that. Absolutely loved it. Um, my family needed me to move back about eight years in. So I came back. And when I got back here, I shot a feature. Oh, my God. And because that's what you do, right? Like, you're like, okay, there's obviously stress in the family. And I need to compartmentalize that. But why not just shoot a feature? Like, people don't understand. So my journey is very similar to yours. New Hampshire, LA, San yep. Diego, Boston. So there you go. Same trifecta, right? Like yep. I totally understand. And I worked in the industry as well. And so I, I have a small, tiny, small knowledge of how much work goes into even just a day of filming a TV show or a day of filming, God forbid, a movie, like a feature. It's like, I yeah. mean, time moves like molasses because you, oh, yeah. just, it, I mean, people don't I mean, understand. I mean, the, you know, the saying on a film set is, you know, when you're ready to roll, just sit around and wait. Oh, my God. Because that's yeah. all it is. People think it's like this glamorous thing. No. But it's it's literally a grind yeah. every day. And, yeah. oh, we're going to shoot. You know, we're going to have everything wrapped in eight hours, 15 hours later. No. You're, you're drinking cold coffee. Yeah. It's two in the morning. Yeah. People, everybody's pissed off and cold Everybody. always, no matter if, even if you're in L.A. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I shot um, a feature. I wrote a feature and we shot it called Overserved. It's still on IMDb. And uh, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. One of my friends texted it to me the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, that's right. I forgot. Um, it's <laughs> that was just, a lifetime like, ago. It's this. It, it really is. It's like this early 2000s pictures of me, like that director with the sunglasses shot. Totally. Like, totally. Classic. It's so cheap. Oh, my God. And uh, so, yeah, we shot that. 
And my wife actually came to work on that. That's how oh, I met cool. her. Oh, cool. My cinematographer knew her from another movie that she produced. And I needed a producer. And he's like, look, I just work with this girl. She's super sharp. And Carrie came on and, you know, cut to three kids later. <laughs> and so we made that. And, you know, it's not like it went national or anything. But at Garnish, we got in festivals and, you know, it was got really, to network more, got in front right. of people. That's all and, it takes. And realized that I could do it, you know, that I could yeah. actually do something like that. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I decided to move to L.A. You know, mm -hmm. we got married and moved there and started working, doing shorts. Um, I was at I was on the Sony lot. She was at an agency. And the film industry, like I love making movies and I love film. But, you know, it's mm -hmm. not it's not the nicest industry. No, not even close, especially in no. that. I mean, in the in the two, early 2000s, 2010s, it, it was even nastier than it is now. I mean, it's, it's just, tough. Everybody wants to fuck you over. Big time. Because no one thinks there's room. Like, if mm -hmm. you have a film, they have a film. You know, it's just it was just a lot of backstabbing and a lot of that kind of crap behind the scenes. The film stuff, my wife and I absolutely love and I met mm -hmm. some awesome people, too, that I'm still friends with. Absolutely. But overall, it just is a very, I just didn't enjoy the industry itself. I felt, I don't know, it's just, ugh. it wasn't, it wasn't my jam. Mm -hmm. Making movies definitely was. But at the same time, I loved cooking for the crew. <laughs> and I used to cook for all my sets. And then people were like, oh, Joe, you know can you teach us to make this? So I'd have little classes on my house at my house on the weekend starts off as like five people. And then there's like, you know, 15 people. I'm teaching everyone how to make chicken piccata. Uh. And I really loved it. And I was like, Oh, this is really fun. And one of our friends, Malia, she, she was sitting, we were just having a drink after class. And she said, you should really do this. She said, she said you're really good at it. Mm. And my wife had just gotten pregnant with Benjamin, the little guy you saw the little when, guy. I, yep. when I showed up. Not now so little he, anymore. No, he's 13 and, you know, he's massive. And um, we, when she got pregnant, we just sat down and we had a talk and, you know, I said, I don't want Benjamin to grow up in LA. I don't want him to be, a, you know, like, honestly, douchebag. I don't want him to be a douchebag. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, you, know? you can say and, it. I, completely, I lived you know? in LA, I get it. <laughs> and so we moved back here. I started teaching and found that I had a real passion for it. And then a woman who owned a private chef business came into one of my classes and this lady, Mary, and she said, you know, after class, she said, your food is phenomenal. She said, you're just she's really talented. You should do something. She said, would you want to come and work for me as a private chef? And that was like out of in the left field. Sure. I was yeah, like, you're not classically trained. No. It's all just by I'm love like, and passion. I'm just studying. I'm breaking down animals. Like yeah. I'm learning the trade every single day. I'm just working my ass off to get better at totally. it. Totally. So she hires me. I end up having a knack for it. So six months later, I just buy the business from her. Oh my I'm God. Like, I'm just going to buy it and convert it and make it like A-listers. Because I'm oh really God. good at it. Yeah. And I'm and I have a knack for photography. If you see my Instagram yeah. at Jogato, like you can see, that's all my photography. I don't have anyone run my Instagram. Oh, okay. 
Awesome. Right? I do all the videos because I have a film background. Mm-hmm. Right? And so all of a sudden I got a Red Sox player. Right. Right. And I, I think the other the other secret sauce to this is you're really good at sales. So like yeah, I'm a got, hustler. You're a hustler. I'm the same way. We're, we are really truly brothers from another mother. And and I'm a food photographer and I'm a freelancer and I I own my own business too and I I completely understand like who you are as your as your core and your soul because this is all self-taught but you're extremely self-motivated and like beyond passionate and like yeah. you can also you're you're charismatic you're personable and oh, you can thank you. seal the deal which is like a lot of people come up with these beautiful ideas but their follow through sucks and like yeah. yours doesn't and this is like where you are now is due to all of the follow through that you you dreamed it and then you went for it Without even probably really thinking about the consequences. You were like, this is what I want to do. My wife said the the first thing she, when she started to really like me and wanted to hang out with me and everything, (laughs) she said the first thing she noticed about me was whatever I said I was going to do, I did. She said, and she hadn't met anyone like that, especially in film. Sure. Because you can dream grandiose. Oh, I'm going to make a feature. Uh But when it comes down to the grind of making a feature... 99% 99% of it is just fucking work. Waking like up and doing hard work, yeah. writing, writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting, casting, getting locations, like all this. But in the long run, doing all those films gave me the background to do anything else. Because mm-hmm. one of the big things you also learn when you make film is your film is made in pre-production. Yeah. You oh, can yeah. have a beautiful, you can have, I, my cinematographer, Tony, I'm still friends with him. He's one of the most talented guys I've ever met. Like everybody I met, uh, all my actors, there's, you know, some of them still, like Lamont Price is still acting. Mm-hmm. Like you can have all of that in the world and have the best editor, but if you didn't prepare per- properly, you're screwed. screwed. And there's a, there's a lot behind that. So I just... As this kept coming, I was like, oh, I, I really enjoy cooking for athletes and I'm just super malleable. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a I love this part of it. I get to work with the team and, you know, diets. And then that started to grow. And my wife and I were just sitting down talking and she said, you know, we back in the day because I'm old. You are not old. Day, we're both probably around the same age. So you're not old, but keep going. Yeah, well, I'm 53. Okay, well, I'm 42. So okay, so see, not old. We'll see. We'll yeah. We're both Generation X. So like, I remember cool. the Flintstones being on. So, so <laughs> <laughs> Bozo the Clown. I, I uh, bet you like half your audience is just like, what the fuck are they talking about right now? <laughs> um, Happy Days, the Fonz. Like I get it, Laverne and Charlie. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that was my yeah. youth. And um, right up your nose with a rubber hose. I know. And I decided that my, like my wife and I, we just were watching Emerald all the time. Mm-hmm. We love Emerald Live. Just such a fun show. Bam. Yeah. Exactly. And my yeah. wife said, you know, you should do a show. She said, you're super good in front of the camera. She said, you have this from scratch thing. It's the producer in her, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. And she said, you'd be great in front of a live audience. Jeez, I don't know. Okay. So I sat and wrote a show and halfway through... I realized the live audience would be too much, but the from scratch angle is interesting. 
Yeah. But how do you pack doing something from scratch in a 23 minute show? So mm -hmm. I wrote a pilot in like two days and I called all my friends who do TV, like who shoot and do sound and stuff. I was like, hey, I need a favor. I need you to come down to this kitchen for a day. I'm going to shoot a pilot. And they were like, sure. So all my my friends came. I was like, I'll feed you. And I made right. BLTs. So I made homemade beer bread. I made bacon from scratch, which I had started. You know, it takes like a eight yeah. days. So I made bacon from scratch. We made sriracha from scratch. I made mayo from scratch. I made potato chips from scratch. I just did the whole thing. And we shot it out. Cut to like, I don't know, six months later, Carrie has given me as a present to her best clients in real estate, oh. her lawyers and everything at, for a class. So I do a class at this kitchen studio in Lexington. After class, they're like, hey, this was so much fun. Would you be interested in having your own restaurant? I was like, oh, no, no. Oh, hell no. No, no, I'm not, no. I, that's that's not what I do. That's that's like people like that's it's, a it's just different. Dream. Yeah, it's right. totally That's different. That's a special breed. I know my friends who own, like, I can't even imagine doing nope. that. They're so dedicated, talented. Like, it is, it's a whole different ballgame. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm kind of a diva. Like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm just, a, like, I like the private chef life. Yeah, I'm you're like, like, I don't want that overhead. I'm good. Right. I'm yeah. like, I can't, I can't deal with an employee. Like, right. that. I just can't do it. <laughs> so I was like, but I did just shoot a pilot to a show that I just finished cutting. I was, and I was like, so I'm trying to get a TV show off the ground. They were like, oh, no way. Well, we're all angel investors. Perfect. Why don't you send us the pilot? So I did. They fucking loved it. Oh, my God. And they're like, okay. And I knew how to budget and everything from all my days in film. And they were like, okay, well, what do you need? And I was like, I want to do like a six, eight episode season. Mm -hmm. And here's my number. And they were like, here's your check. I mean, talk about that's that's some serious, amazing manifesting right there. And like right, right. place, right time. This my <laughs> wife's like, this happens to Joe all the time. Exactly. That's who you are. But you had the you had the intuition that to do the to to call your friends, to follow through and make the pilot and then had it there. And it's almost like as a photographer, you have this huge portfolio that you work on, you work on, you work on. And then when you go to pitch, you're like here's everything. And they're like, Oh my God, this is per Oh, okay. Perfect. 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 Yeah. Done. Like you have to have exactly. something to show that you are like the proof is in the pudding kind of. Right. You can't just say, I want to make a TV show. You say, no, here is the TV show. Yeah. So we, I wrote, I think it took me, I think it took me six months and I wrote a whole season. So like from lobstering to like, making our own knives to making our own charcoal and i produced it all out I, I found people that did everything everywhere in massachusetts yeah and i got some people to help me schedule and I, we just can went for it i mean that's and, a very short timeline to get that much done oh, it, was, it was insane i was yeah i mean i i was just papers everywhere just it was it was insane well yeah because locations fall through then you need another one then you have i mean it's it's one Everything. weather's volatile it's one someone thing can't show the equipment yeah. it's always something it's yeah. always a fire to put out yeah and but you know like honestly i like that kind of shit yeah who doesn't i, I love it. When, like solving 
that's Absolutely. something I've put on the planet for. So we shot it out and we knew we had something that was pretty cool. My mm. friend Ryan came on to direct. He's super talented and shot it out, cut it. And I have a friend who does, he does like sound and does people's CDs. He works with all these like huge bands and sure. he does all their sound. Yeah. And we're still friends. We've been friends forever. He actually worked on my feature for me like way back in the day. And mixed it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I called him and I was like, hey, I, I was like, I finished my show. He's like, dude, shoot it out to me. So I shot him the first episode. This guy, Tony, I can love him. <laughs> and he calls me back like half hour later. And he's like, hey, fucking Gatto, this show's not good just for a cooking show. This show's fucking awesome. Mm. Where are you sending it? I'm like, I don't know yet. He's like, I've got a friend over at this distribution house who start just started there. He's like, she's low level, but let me sh let me shoot it over to her. He does. Next thing you know, she's showing it to a boss who's showing it to a boss. And we're on the phone with the vice president of principal media. Oh, my Dan God. Goulard, who's now a really good friend of mine. Yeah. And he's like, we love this thing. We want to acquire it. Oh. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, hold on, let's get the lawyers known. <laughs> right. And so they acquired us and then they got a deal with Pluto and got it on the air. Wow. And we were like, holy shit, like just watching it in your living room with people texting you like, oh, we're watching the. It's like, a trip. It's yeah. just you know, it's everywhere. And I get from Mexico to friggin' Spain. Like I get emails and stuff all the time for people it's, that watch it. Yeah. So we couldn't believe it because it was so niche. Yeah. But here's a kicker that was really interesting about it. It came out just as the pandemic started. Perfect. Right. Yeah. Thank you, pandemic. Right. Because everyone's glued to the TV and all they want to do is learn, travel, feel connected right. again. They just yeah. wanted to suck up content. Yeah. And here we are throwing out content. So now it did so well on Pluto. And then I ended up getting, now I'm in development with two shows. One of them's called This Is Not a Cooking Show with comedian Brian Callen, who's in mm -hmm. like The Hangover and everything, mm -hmm. where we take out celebrities to find their food memory and then like remake it. So, it, Aww, you know, that's it's, sweet. Kind of, it, it's fun. And then I'm doing another show right now with the guy who created Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives called mm -hmm. Food Americana, where we go through the US and we dig into like just classic foods from pizza to bagels and how they came over to America and it changed it. Whatever came over mm -hmm. became an American food, but that doesn't make it not authentic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean it's not traditional because now it is from there. It's that version. Mm. That version came from somewhere else. So it's how did pizza change from here to Italy? You know, a lot. just everything, right? Yeah, so I've been to Italy many times. Yeah. Like sushi is a great one. Yeah. Like digging into how sushi became like an American food. Yeah, it's I mean, crazy. a lot of it has to do with wars. And when the GIs come back, and it's so fascinating. I mean, even the way that, I mean, we bastardized um, Chinese food here in the US compared to what it right. is in Asia. But it's it's because of that war and the GI's coming back and they wanted the food. And it's, it is fascinating. It's also tradition. I, that's a, I'm, I'm in, I'm hooked. Yeah. I'm in. Right. I'm because it. like, 
it it's definitely the reason you know some things change is because here's the food they want but here's the ingredients we have around us mm -hmm, it's not totally. the same as over there no so we're going to make a version with the ingredients that are indigenous and now it becomes our food but that doesn't mean that it's not authentic mm -hmm. oh, because fair it enough. is authentic for there like barbecue for here right yeah. so right. it's this and it's this guy david page who created diners drive-ins and he had a new book called uh food americana and we ended up in a car we ended up in a probably like a a friggin zoom and we really hit it off and he wanted to turn that into a show so we already had we can meet you know we went with the production company that i've worked with before mm -hmm. and we already got distribution through danny who we met randomly years ago so yeah so we've got two in development now wow and it's just it's insane like it's, it's just, so fun it just keeps growing and i just keep meeting more amazing people and i think i'm just down for anything i i really totally. love the exploration of food and how it brings people together totally yeah and like if you watch my show on pluto my family, you know, my wife produced it. Mm -hmm. My family's all over it. My kids are little. It's like a little home video. Totally, shot, yeah. Like a three camera setup and cut, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's that's what it's really about. I cook with my kids all the time. My daughter and I just made chocolate from scratch where we get the cacao pods up from, well, you know, like right. crack them open and ferment it. And she loved it. And like we do stuff because I have three kids and we do stuff all the time. So that's what really bleeds into all my work mm. and my work and my family. It's always been my goal to have them be pretty much one in the same. So when I travel, I take them with me. I did a last, last summer, I did a cover for a magazine. They flew me out to Austin. I was like, yeah, part of the deal is like, you know, Family's coming. Yeah. and they were like, Oh my God, absolutely. Can we shoot them? I'm like, nope. oh, exploit the hell out of them, you know? Right. <laughs> Let me sign the waivers now. No right. problem. Totally. Totally. Film release, no cute, problem. Right? Like, you just have to feed them some candy. It'll be fine. Yeah. Take us to Salt Lake. It'll be great. So now when it comes to scratch, so scratch cooking is so near and dear to your heart, right? Oh, yeah. And for those who don't realize what scratch cooking is, how can you define it for the audience? I mean, from scratch cooking can go a lot of different ways. Right. Really, it's just sitting and... For me, that means taking the time to really care about your ingredients and, you know, really making making the elements yourself. Nothing prepackaged. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're making pizza, you're not buying dough, you're making it. Like, I love that aspect of it. Taking time to make something and doing it with people that you love is really what I say from scratch cooking would be. Like, you know, never buying frozen things like that like really digging into the ingredients and making something that is special and something that is unique to you totally and when you make something from scratch you have the ability to customize it because everything's yours like we like for here when we do breads and things like that i grind the flour here like i it's insane wow. it's 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 it sounds crazy no it doesn't it sounds exhausting is what it sounds like at times. Like, do you, like, in all honesty, do you have, with Joe, you have, I know you've got energy going out the wazoo, but, and you go a million miles a minute, I am sure, all day long. But don't, isn't there a part of you that once in a while you're like, I am so fucking exhausted at the thought of grinding my own flour right now? 
and I want pizza. You know, I I want to say yes so I can sound <laughs> no, so I can no, sound normal. No, be, no, be your authentic but, self. Like, <laughs> you know, I what would happen is I would say, okay, that's fine, and then that thing would go off in my head. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, mm, that's not fine. Not you know fine. what? Let me just do it. Yeah. You know, like I already. I've already been cooking all morning. I worked out. I went to go skating for my cardio and then I was cooking and now I'm prepping for a pizza class tonight. Yeah. So, you know, like I just, I just go. You do just go. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's a weird thing. No, not at all. I I love, I still love people ask me, I get asked that a lot and like, Oh, does, you know, do you still like cooking for your family or do you cook for your family or you just oh. go out? Yeah. I still make everything. Yeah. Well, Cause it's a really common. So my husband's an executive chef and he has been for 25 years and or probably longer than that. So he and, knows. Uh, he does know, but, but we've been together for 10 years and I can count on one and a half hands. How many times he's actually cooked a meal by himself in our kitchen. He, it's one of those things that it's so exact. He does it for years. He was, you know, on the line helping out when he was a sous chef. And then as he's worked up and now he's in upper management, um, he's the director of culinary at Wellesley college. And so he doesn't cook anymore, but he manages everyone and, and oversees it all. And it's so exhausting that when he would come home and I love cooking, I'm self-taught. I absolutely, I, I, Food is my life. Food is my love language. Food makes nice. me happy, right? But so I would do all the cooking in the house. And to this day, I still do all the cooking in the house. He does not do any, not not a single bit of cooking in this house. Um, huh. And he would attribute it to he was so exhausted by it. And if he is left to his own devices, say I go out of town, that, that man will order a calzone. He will eat like a 14-year-old. He will eat buffalo chicken mac and cheese. He will order takeout from somewhere. He will go to Taco Bell. He will not cook. Really? Yes, because it is just he does it all day long. And I know a lot of chefs who don't cook. See, it's to each their own. Totally. Because totally. like for, for me, you know, getting up when I'm up at like six in the morning. Yeah. I'll be grinding flour, making bread for the day, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just something like everyone has their little system. Totally. Oh and yeah, absolutely. I think me, in your past life, you definitely lived on a farm in like the, the 1400s somewhere. And my, you mother, had... my, my wife calls me the grandmother because oh, she's like, she's, she's like, you're like a grandmother that listens to hardcore rap. Okay. There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, I know every word to Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers of Death. I, I Right. Understand. See, you yeah, understand. Yeah, I do. I do. But like, I love like making 36, 72 hour dose for class tonight. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, and there's, I think also because you have so much love and passion for it and it was never your initial moneymaker. Like you, you th- this was always a secondary love and passion for Could everything be, yeah. else around you. Right. And so you're able to lean into it and still love it. Whereas, and you didn't, you didn't go through the culinary school road and then up in the restaurants where a lot of people get burnout because it's so shitty and so rigorous. And you lucked out that you found your own niche and path that you didn't 
to have to deal with the the total hate for the industry. Yeah, that, I bet you that's part of it because, yeah, I've never, you know, I just have always been an entrepreneur. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of always on my own out here. Totally. And I, I really don't know what anyone else does. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. my own world. Like, and I've awesome. never, I think that's, I think that's part of the reason why, you know, the television shows and everything, there's just no, no, there's no one around saying, wow, don't, you know, Jesus, that's a lot. You don't know. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I'm just like over here. I'm like, I'm just going to make all this. I'm going to shoot it all. And, you know, we'll see. And then all of a sudden some partnership comes from it or, yeah. you know, like I'm on boss magazine. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And I, I make lots of great connections. I do a lot of philanthropic through that as well. I just, I really like people. And no, I, I love that. Connecting with people, and I definitely love shoving shit in their pie hole. Okay, great. That's like so, one of my favorite things. So I think that's a good segue because I have some listener questions from people that love you and have some questions for you. Are you ready okay. to get into them? All right. Katie from Instagram writes, I saw you make your own knives. How did you get started in this? And with so many great knife companies out there, what are the benefits of making your own? Well, making your own for me. Hi, Katie. Um, was just <laughs> that was one thing that I always wanted to do because I met a knife maker through a friend of mine and they offered, they said, would you ever be interested to come? Oh, uh, yes. yes. Yes, I would. 100%. Yes. I'm there. Uh, yeah. I'll be there tomorrow. Me, I'll come now. Yeah. Do you want to come right. now? Do you want me to bring anything to eat? <laughs> How's noon? Right. <laughs> I'm at the front door. Can you open it? Yeah, I've got pizza. Right? <laughs> so that was pretty much that. And then I got to throw on a fire suit and do the whole thing because I need to know how everything works. Mm. I I need to get to the core of it. Mm -hmm. And I love working with people that those artisans that are just so knowledgeable and they're always so interesting and really just, they have every answer to me. So I can sit there like the interviews when we did it, you know, people, a lot of times when I'm, I'm asked, you know, do you give them the questions or do you go over questions or anything? I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm curious enough and yeah. everything being organic is way better. Um, there's tons of knife companies. My big thing, my buddy, Adam Schickman, he like, he's a master knife maker out of Cambridge and I've gone and done it with him. He made my knife that I call the Ferrari. I'm actually going to be posting something on Instagram with him soon where I'm going to go and show his knife shop and we're going to build some things. But my big thing with a knife is you don't need a knife block of knives. No. You just need a knife, maybe two. Maybe yeah. you want a serrated. Yeah. And then like an eight inch chef. Yeah. And whatever you feels comfortable in your hand. Right. Absolutely. If it's six inch chef. Find something that's super comfortable in your mm -hmm. hand. Don't just buy something like well stuff because it's expensive. No. Go and try out your knife. You yeah. can do that plenty of places. Absolutely. Or if you're, you're at your friend's house, grab whatever they, oh, do you like that? Is it too light? Is it too heavy? Is, you know, make sure it has a full tang where that's when mm -hmm. the steel goes all the way through. Like just things you can look up, but definitely always get one knife that feels comfortable in your hand and is the right weight. If you're knife shopping, that would be my biggest suggestion. And there's a million knife makers. Don't just go by the name, go by what makes you happy. 
Yeah, totally. And keep them sharp and take care of them because a dull knife is kind of one dangerous and two, um, it's, there's tons. I've got like a, it's so cute. One of those knife sharpening guys that it's at his house. He has a a little box. Oh yeah. You put the knife in the box, the little padlock, you text him. And then he goes right there. Yes. I love that. I love that. And it's on the honor system. It's so, it's so cute. And the the dull knife is the most dangerous thing in the world. Absolutely. So absolutely. And for God's sakes, don't put it in the dishwasher. Oh my God. No, never, never, never. And I mean, you can use a steel once you learn how to sharpen it with a steel, but um, getting them professionally sharpened a few times a year goes a long way. But if you can use a steel, YouTube that and learn how to sharpen it. Okay. Steven from Oregon writes, I'm super interested in making my own salt and live near a coast with access to the Pacific Ocean. First, how do you know that the water you're collecting from the water source isn't polluted? And second, how do you turn the water into salt? What equipment do I need? Steven. Well, you'd need a lot of equipment to do it professionally, but if you want to just do it at home, you have to, if you go out in the ocean, go like 10 feet in and go two feet deep and pull it out, you'll be fine. Okay. And then you need a bucket and you can do it just on the beach in a big wide, just gets like a pan that's big wide. So you only get about two inches and let the sun do the work. What? And Oh yeah. And then in a couple of days, the water will evaporate and you'll be left with this, just the salt. I was just at Boston pasta company and they do it in their tilt skillet. Oh, cool. And they make all their own salt and it's the same thing. You're oh my God. in the big process like we did for the show. It's huge evaporators. Yeah. And then you get in this. It's awesome. It's like this room that's like six by eight and it's weirdly lit and it's all salt crystals everywhere. It looks like you're making meth. Mm-hmm. Like you're totally. waiting for the cops to bust in. hundred percent. Yes. But you can do it just on the beach. You know, you can do it if, if, if you're on the beach at your cottage or whatever, just the sun will evaporate that water and you will be left with the salt. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, I've seen um, on Samin Nosserat's docu-series, um, Salt, Fat, Heat, Acid. Acid. Yeah, and she went to Japan and they were like using that special kind of seaweed that they laid out on racks drying it in the sun and air and then they'd shake the seaweed and you'd get this. And every type of salt is very different. I mean, even cooking salt's different. Maldon is very different, which is a finishing salt in France, which is very different than Diamond Crystal, which is very different than Molten uh, Morton's, which is very, you know, it's all. Right. As long as you're not using iodized, you're fine. Yeah. And um, taste, 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 taste. And it has those caking agents in it. You just don't want to mess with iodized. No, no, no. No, I'm a Diamond Crystal kosher salt gal for the most part. Finishing with. Yeah, um, I'm a Morton's guy. So, yeah. No, fair enough. Um, and salt just got wicked expensive, and I don't know why. It went up in the last few weeks, like by like double almost. At least I'm sure everyone's just charging extra now, saying, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're part of everything going yeah, up. Totally. Naomi and Austin writes, I would love to be on TV and host my own show. I saw you have your own TV show on Pluto. How did you get started in this? How Do you have any more episodes coming out? Do you have any advice for someone who is looking to host their own cooking show? I mean, we, we definitely touched on how you got started in this. Um, yeah. For sure. But do you have any more episodes coming out? And do you have any advice for someone looking to do it themselves? 
Well, right now I'm doing the other two shows, right. um, Food Americana, and this is not a cooking show. Um, my advice, huh, advice to get into to making your own show, you're, make your own show. You're going to have to shoot a pilot. You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to befriend a director. I mean, yeah. you're going to have to, no one's going to hand you a show. And just know that it's um, it's doable. You can definitely do it. Um, it's hyper competitive. And there's don't shoot it in a restaurant kitchen. If I can. No, the lighting's do horrible. That. The sound is horrible. Everything's horrible. Yeah. And one thing is don't try to copy anyone else. You have to be you. You have to be genuine. Sticks mm -hmm. don't work. Mm -mm. find something that you are passionate about i don't care if it's chocolate chip cookies whatever it is you have to love making it and you have to that will come through the lens of that you love to share it and you really want people to understand why you love chocolate chip cookies understand why you're doing it like is it to tell your family's history like where is it coming from not just hey i'm gonna make a salad and I think right. this would be interesting to people. If it doesn't have a story or a backbone to it, people won't care. But they will care if it's really you mm -hmm. and you're telling your story. So you can do it. Instagram. I mean, I didn't have anything like that when I was growing up or no. even starting, really. Like Instagram. The internet wasn't born yet when we were growing up. <laughs> right. And Instagram was a baby when we started I don't even like, think it all was... our stuff. Yeah. But Instagram's a great way to build an audience where you can do short format. Yeah, and YouTube as well. Into a, right, and build into a larger larger format and a larger audience. So it really does give you the ability to kind of practice in a yeah. sense. People will give you a lot of leeway on those, you know, on those social channels. I love YouTube as well. You can use that. Just post some things and see what people get some feedback. The comments, they can be mean at times, but yeah, you know, just take some of it as feedback. Maybe you're Video needs to be edited better. Maybe your music's too loud. Maybe people don't like that type of food. But if they don't, there will be people that oh, do. There's, there's always a niche. So many eyes on this. Yeah, and I also, I think for another, like you're saying, do it. Like, it takes a lot to get really comfortable to be in front of a camera. It's not, yeah. it's, it's a skill that you hone over time of doing it over and over and over again. And 1, so like being, and you don't need super fancy gear. Like if you know somebody that no. can light you just a tiny bit or even a nice ring light or get in front of a window, um, cameras. I mean, I I'm a big fan of cameras cause I'm a photographer, but, um, your phone can suffice to start, but I agree with you. You just got to be authentic and you got to do it. If you want to do it, do it. You and I are both follow throughers to who we are. And so right. we, we are the people that we jump off the cliff and don't even really look back because we know we're going to build the parachute as we're falling and it's all going to work out. Yeah. I like and that. So, you exactly. know, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, exactly that's who we are. Yeah. And I love that you're saying, you know, like being in front of the camera, you know, I, when I talk, like, I just ran into someone at Whole Foods the other day and they were like, oh, I heard you on NPR. I'm, I love your show. And we were just chatting. She was picking, like, she loves cooking for her family. So we were just talking, like, we were talking about meatloaf. I mean, that's, yeah. that's literally what we were chatting about. And she said, oh, you know, what's interesting is you're the exact same as you are 
off camera and on camera. She said, that's really cool. And I love that because I take that. But to your point that I spent a lot of time on camera. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I was good at it. Minute I got in front of the camera, but I wasn't like I am now. Right. It's just like if you're learning to play piano or anything else, you have to be, if you're not taking your camera and setting up, if you, oh, I want to do a cooking show. If you're not in front of your own camera every night, yeah, you're not, you're not doing like, that's what you have to do. If you're like, well, my family, I'm embarrassed to do it in front. Well, then you shouldn't. Then you're be not going to, you, this isn't for you. Like right. you're, yeah. It's on or nothing, baby. Exactly. hundred percent. When that, when that camera starts rolling. Yeah. It's go time. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I did a Netflix show this past April and uh, same thing. Camera rolls, red light comes on. You're like, this is okay. Let's go. Let's fucking, yep. let's fucking go. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. Awesome. And if you know the story you're saying in here, it's going to register up here. Yeah. The one thing he- the camera does catch, it catches bullshit like nobody's business. Oh, absolutely they say they used to say like the camera adds 10 pounds no the camera catches bullshit yeah that's what it does the camera adds yeah, truth. it does that's oh, that's a good one good one cassie from instagram writes i'm always looking for new recipes to cook if you had to pick three from your favorite scratch recipes that you feel like anyone could make at home what would they be oh that's a good one that's like choosing that? your favorite child, Cassie from Instagram. Cassie, that's a great question. I love that. Um, tamales. Ooh. Absolutely, hands down. Um, conchinita pibil, which is like pulled pork on steroids. It's just a Mexican version of that wrapped in a banana so leaf. Good. One of my favorite things in the world. And then if I really had to, if I had like, it would be a slider. Really? Absolutely. There is nothing in the world better than like a double patty thin slider with just a little American cheese yeah. on a soft roll. That that to me is perfection. As as Bourdain said, I'm a burger slut. Yeah, big time. And would you grill some onions for that slider? If yeah. I was if I was feeling, feeling sassy feeling sassy yeah and then so, so to me that's like the best i am drunk as a skunk and i didn't we didn't grow up with white castle so that's like a white castle moment that's not yeah i didn't we, i didn't have white castle either no. especially in arlington no in arlington no <laughs> i to me like drunk food is definitely pizza like i lived in the north end for a while and i had yeah, well, many fantastic memories of stumbling in at three o'clock in the morning getting a slice from a restaurant that does it in the back but anyway right um love sliders love all of that i'm just surprised not a single italian food bite no no My I little mean, paisano I, I love we make pasta all the time i was yeah. like i do that class i don't know once a week yeah like i love i love homemade pasta but Mexican food to me, because mm-hmm. we have a place in Tulum, so we're down there pretty often. Uh, yeah. But to me, Mexican food was my gateway drug to everything else. Gotcha. Because I discovered that flavors don't need to be fancy. They don't need to be all this like pomp and circumstance. It's simple 
it's great ingredients mm -hmm. and it taught me balance mm -hmm. which i think is the most important thing in cooking when something's balanced i mean in life balance yeah. is the most important thing relationships everything it really taught me everything and the first time i had conchonita peebill in la i mean my friggin' mind was blown yeah and then you probably had it in the yucatan and your mind was blown even more then i just couldn't see straight yeah because yeah. it was just it just kept it just kept giving it's so earthy it's so bright pickled red onions like yeah. all these flavors i was like holy crap this yeah. is it this yeah. is what i've been searching for like i the sherpa has taken me to the top of the mountain <laughs> and i'm like i'm ready god you know right totally so I accept you fully yeah and, <laughs> totally <laughs> homemade fresh corn tortillas right oh my god just made those last night we did fish so tacos good. oh god no. fresh corn tortillas people don't understand no that crap you get at the supermarket is not a corn tortilla uh -uh. And it shouldn't even be labeled this no i've been to playa many times um, oh i love playa love playa i mean and i went last time I was probably like 15 years ago, but I've been a handful of times then. And one of the things I did do was I did a cooking class there. And I asked like this little tiny hole in the wall place. And I asked her, would you, can we do a market tour first to go around and see where you're getting the ingredients that we're going to cook? She's like, oh, absolutely. And one of the things we did was we went to a place where you got the corn, you brought it to a lady in a little hole in the wall, she ground it. You bring the, the masa, maseca, to this other lady and she pressed it. And next door, they're making chicharrones. And I was like, and then across the street in an empty abandoned parking lot, they're doing Zumba. I was like, this is the playa I want to be at, not the resort. Like that's the other thing when you go to Mexico, especially, I mean, any place, like I've been to Central America a ton. There's a very law, big line of resort and the real area of. Oh, the, yeah. A thousand you know, percent. A thousand percent. And digging into the, the realness of a culture is so, so important. And it. it That's what food does. Food yes. is food is the way to access a culture. You'll learn so much. So much. By eating there. I mean, one of the one of my favorite things down in Tulum we were staying at this place and I, he, the conchonita came out and mm -hmm. it literally, I make it, I obsess over it. And this was unbelievable. Next level. So I started talking to the waiter and I was like, blah, 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 blah. This is unbelievable. Like what, what is the chef doing? The chef comes out. He doesn't speak English. I don't speak Spanish, but everyone's interpreting for us. Yeah. So he starts telling me he learned from like the master, this woman in the middle of the wood who I know and I've read about. And I was like, oh, my God, that's unbelievable. And as my wife tells it, you know, next thing you know, Joe's in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because we had had his churro and I'd never had a churro like that either. It wasn't like a donut. It was this combination of like a cream puff. It was insane. It was it was the best churro wow. I ever had. We could not figure out how good it was. So he takes me in back. And I'm I'm with him and we're being able to communicate. I'm piping churros, right? We're making, I'm just like, this is now, my wife's just sitting in the, talking to the waiter. Yeah, and, yeah, right? Yeah. 
And we come back to the table. We're laughing. We're now best buds. We're like friends on Instagram still. And yeah. like his name's Jesus. He gives me the recipe. It's his grandmother's recipe. He has the the guy interpret it in English for me and gives me his grandmother's churro recipe, which is still on my fridge. And it's the only one I use. Uh, that we, is, that is, that encompasses what I think about food. We are exactly alike. I've, I've done very similar things. I had this coconut fish soup stew in Belize. We were staying in this little Island off the coast of Belize and I started crying. I was drunk and I started crying eating it because it was so good. And my husband and my, my little brother are sitting there and great. This was only like four years ago. This is like literally the pandemic happened a week later. <laughs> like, I'm drunk and crying in the soup. And like they come over, they're like, oh my God, what's wrong? I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. I'm hugging the person who's making it. They bring me into the kitchen. They're showing me how to make it. I'm like making a mess. I'm like, this is this is the greatest day of my life. And I've done that so many times. <laughs> we are so similar. It's not even funny. Okay, wait, we've done more listener questions. Greg in upstate New York writes, I saw you make your own charcoal. How the hell do you do this? What is the best way to store it? How long does it keep for? And honestly, does it really make a difference? Uh, making your own charcoal, does it make a huge difference? Not really. Mm. Not really. Um, but probably but, less chemicals. I mean, charcoal is yeah, I mean, I mean, a ton of chemicals. Yeah, you're getting natural char- charcoal. It's pretty much it's pretty much made all the same way. Oh, okay. Um, it, you know, if you're getting briquettes. Yeah. Well, that's that's pressed. That's a whole different ballgame. Okay, Like natural enough. wood is how you make charcoal. And the, charcoal's... All it takes to make charcoal is you're denying the air mm. to the wood so it can't ignite because wood doesn't burn, wood gas burns. Mm. So if you deny the air, but it's still getting the heat, it will basically become carbon and it keeps forever. It, it, But the thing about making your own charcoal is it is super fun and to understand how it works is pretty freaking cool. Now yeah. that's on a small level. The guy I made it with, Bob Wells, he makes it, you know, tons at a time, and he grinds it up and puts it in with his soil to oh. make this like uber soil. Sure. And that, like, you could see his blueberry bushes grew at different rates of where he had used mm. the biochar. And the other cool thing was all the extraneous heat that came off of him making tons of charcoal every day he used to fuel his uh farm oh my god yeah wow. that was ridiculous like, love him he and makes his sustainability. You feel like you don't know or do anything good for the earth <laughs> he's like that csa you get right <laughs> fuck you right, right. <laughs> you're organic tomatoes yeah right. see you yeah, later come yeah <laughs> come on Bye. come Step it up. All right. Dylan from Instagram writes, we cook a lot in our household and I'm getting so bored with the same things we make. I try looking in cookbooks, food blogs, but nothing is really making it into the rotation. Do you have any advice on how to get out of a cooking rut? I think a great way to do that. I That's Daryl. Dylan. Dylan. Thanks, Dylan. Um, the thing I, I think is a great thing to do is go through Instagram and mm. look at pictures. 
Yeah. What makes you hungry? Don't look at recipes. See something that you're like, oh, I want to make that. Yeah. That looks awesome. I would eat that. And then make it. And then yeah. find a recipe for it. Kind of reverse engineering in a sense. Mm. Mm. I think that's a great way to do it is find dishes that interest you. Or another thing I tell people is when you go out to eat, what do you order? Try making that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then add so, a ton of butter to it. If you right, want it to taste right. like you did in the restaurant, lots of butter and fresh herbs. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. So I ask everyone, what are you currently making at home right now that you're like super jazzed about? What have we been making? We, uh, we've done this new thing making um, Parmesan herb rolls. Oh, okay. Like garlic knots kind of vibes. What's that? Like garlic knots kind of? Kind of. We've just been making like all this, like we've just been kind of experimenting with grinding flour and just kind of different wheat berries and Mm. seeing what we get Mm -hmm. um, and making different types of roll, rolls in skillet, rolls open Mm. in an oven. Like just, we've been doing a lot of bread experiments lately, which has been super fun. And we, because we just kind of finished all this recipe testing on pizza doughs, which is, I think, one of the most fascinating things in the world. So we've been doing a lot of that. And I actually just changed my diet like two months ago. So I've been gluten free. Like, Well, that's <laughs> always I, I don't eat the bread the kids do. Oh, and, shit. Yeah, I don't eat I don't eat the pizza. I don't eat the bread. I haven't for a long time. That's so sad. So, yeah, you smell it's, uh, it. It's a weight. It's a weight thing because yeah. I like to stay trim. And if I eat what I cook, oh, totally, I'd be a billion pounds. We all but, would. I get it. I do. I smell it, and it makes me go semi crazy sometimes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you're but a little it, bit of a masochist. Okay. Yeah, I got a little of that. I, <laughs> I you know, understand. My, my safe word is bread. You know. So. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and then you tap out. All right. How can people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Um, at Chef Joe Gatto on Instagram, you know, that is my go-to for everything. I've kind of funneled everything there. You can find me, you can see, you can link to my show from there. You can email me from there you can see all the fun things I do there. That's definitely, yeah. At Chef Joe Gatto on Instagram is definitely the way to go. Awesome. I'll link it all in the show notes. Okay. Last question. If you had all the money in the world, where are you going and what are you eating? Oh, wow. Okay, all the money in the world. All the money, like money is no object. Like you have, it's it, whatever you it, want to spend. It would never be a destination. It would okay. be a journey. Okay, great. So where's your journey? A, it would be a long journey that starts in Mexico mm-hmm. with tacos and then like down to Colombia. And then mm. it's just, I, I have to go, I'd have to hit Spain. I'd have to hit, oh my God, I have to hit, England I'd have to hit I mean there'd be some I'd have to go to LA yeah sure just that that fusion I'd have to go down there I'd have to go to North Carolina and hit some barbecue um yeah I would just have to go as many places for as long as it takes to really take it slow and enjoy the culture and the food at the same time but it would definitely start with tacos on the beach Okay. I love that. Um, so it's basically a world tour sponsored by Lipitor apparently and a private jet. Okay. Perfect. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I would, 
flash my name on the side of the jet. That would be great. Done. Done. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're this always welcome. Was awesome. Please come back again. Love you, dude. Like literally, that was the best time I've ever. This is awesome. Thank you Woo-hoo! so much. Awesome. All right, I'll see you later, man. Bye. Ciao. Well, if you're not smiling after that conversation, I don't know what to tell you. That was so much fun. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I will link all of Joe's information in the show notes on my website, elizabethrfuller.com. Of course, tag me in all of your food adventures on Instagram at Let's Go on a Food Adventure. And if you've got questions for the pod, I'm here for you. I love them. Keep them coming in. Send me an email, let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. It's so nice to be back. It's so nice to chat with you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your love and being here and listening. I adore all of you. You're the best. You're the best. So make some yummy food together this weekend. Leave with kindness, and I'll see you next Friday. Bye.